Hello everyone and welcome to the Commander's Forge. My name is Andrew Bentley and I am your host. Now, the Commander's Forge is an area for me to talk about Commander and magic in general in the ways that I enjoy it. This episode is going to be a little different as it's going to be a quick update on what's going on with me personally. To that end, I have been quarantined since the 15th because somebody in my house had tested positive for COVID-19. I then had to be tested for COVID-19 for work. And as of Sunday the 17th, my results were positive. So I have been quarantined in my room since then. Just me and these four walls. And I can't say I'm doing okay, and I can't say I'm doing great, but I'm surviving. And I owe a lot of that to the people that I've been able to play magic with over webcam. So sincerely, I just want to say thank you to them. And a big part of that has been the Guardian Project podcast and their Discord. And I really didn't want to be too heavy here in the beginning of this episode, but I'm going to have to talk about some personal updates. First off, I am struggling financially. It's just the way things have ended up and me not being able to go back to work for at least another week and a half. So I might not be around as much. That said, Anchor does offer listeners a way to support creators. Right on Anchor, you can donate as little as, uh, I believe it's 99 cents a month, or 4.99 a month, or 9.99 a month. The link will be in the description, and... Well, all I can say is, if you can find it to help me get along, thank you. And if not, that's fine too. Now, stepping away from the heavy topics, uh, let's talk about changing up a playstyle. I believe it's well known that I am an aggro player. I very much enjoy turning creatures sideways. But sometimes that's just not enough. And sometimes you have to learn how to build a deck in a way that can be both aggressive but also flip on a dime and be able to combo out or hell, maybe you need to learn how to play a control deck. That was one of the best level up moments I ever had was as an aggro player, picking up a control deck and talking to my cousin who was a control player and saying, teach me. And that was more for me to be able to better combat people playing control decks. But from that, I also learned how to play control decks. And it brought up something I've been thinking about for a while. Why... 
can't I do both? Why shouldn't I be able to do both? And I understand not everybody likes to be able to combo off. But what's the harm in putting a combo in a deck? Because game's gotta end. Like my Linden, the Steadfast Queen deck, is a very aggressive deck. But there is one particular combo that goes great with uh, combat. And that is Archangel of Thune, which says whenever you gain life, you put a counter on each creature you control. Linden's ability stacks for each white creature that attacks. So if you attack with five creatures and you have both of them out, you're putting five plus one plus one counters on each creature. That said, that's only one card in the deck. And I'm not exactly running ways to get it out of the deck. But recently, I also added Heliod, Suncrowned, which does basically the same thing, except when you gain life, you put a counter on target creature instead of all creatures. And I was like, well, if I'm going to run Heliod, I might as well run the machine gun. So I ended up putting a walking ballista in, which by itself is still just a good card and a good mana sink. But if I hit them both, I can end a game. And I've very recently come to the understanding that games don't have to be two hours long. Games could be an hour and a half long and you could play two games. I just, it was just a different way to think about it. It was the, I used to, I used to be the guy that would just run everything out and then say, well, whatever happens, happens. But now I'll keep a few things in my hand and I'll wait. The number of times that I've just held up a Teferi's protection now, it's honestly a lot. And I've basically gotten to the point where most of, if not all of my decks, have a way to protect itself now. Whether that's Teferi's protection, or a couple counter spells, or a way to give your team indestructible... It just, a lot of my decks fold to a board wipe. Some can rebuild fairly quick, like my elf deck. But the more it gets board wiped, the less my chance of actually being able to finish the game out on top. And this year, I've been tracking my games. And so far, because I have a ton of decks and I like to rotate them, I've played Linden like three or four times. I think it's four times at this point. And I've won two of the games that I've played with her. And I've built that deck with no expectations to be able to win. I built it to keep games moving because it's always going to be attacking with creatures. And it just, it brought this realization with it that Yes, my janky 30-land mono-white deck has been able to hold its own against regular 
top, not CDH tier, but like top tier commanders. And I never expected that. I never expected to be taking everyone else at the table from like 30 to 12 while buffing my life from like 20 something to almost 50. Like that just did not compute. But I've done that several times with that deck. And sure, I've still lost with that deck. But it has been a major player at every table I've sat down with it at. I just... I'm sorry if it seems like my uh, thoughts are a little scattered this week. Because they are. That said, uh, let's... Let's roll this into our weekly ad, and I will talk about a combo deck once we come back. Alright, now jumping right into talking about this deck this week. We discussed talking about how I've been changing up my playstyle to accommodate different playstyles. And this week we're going to talk about some combo and to do that, I bring Tashar, Ancestor's Apostle, to the table. Which is three and a white for a 2-2 bird cleric with flying. And whenever you cast a historic spell, return target creature card with a converted mana cost, three or less, from your graveyard to the battlefield. Now, historic spells are artifacts, legendaries, and sagas. We focus on artifacts. That said, there are a few key cards in the deck, and there's several different uh, combo finishes in the deck. But the most important cards in the deck are the Sacrifice Outlets. And those are Crook Clan Ironworks, which is a four-mana artifact that says Sacrifice an Artifact, you make two colorless for your mana pool. To that end, we're also running Ashnot's Altar, which is a three mana artifact, and it says sacrifice a creature and add two colorless to your mana pool. Then we have Arcbound Ravager, which is two for a zero zero artifact creature, but it has modular one, which means it enters with a plus one plus one counter on it. And when it dies, you can put it on another artifact creature. But it also says sacrifice an artifact, put a plus one plus one counter on Arcbound Ravager, which can help lead us into our loops as well. Then we have Blasting Station and Grinding Station. Blasting Station is a three mana artifact that says tap, sack a creature. Blasting Station deals one damage to target creature or player. And whenever a creature enters play, you may untap Blasting Station. Grinding Station is a 2-mana artifact that says tap, sacrifice an artifact, target player puts the top 3 cards of his or her library into his or her graveyard. And whenever an artifact comes into play, you may untap Grinding Station. So, one of those can be infinite damage at one point, and the other one can be infinite mill. Now, next to those, we also need the creatures to bring back with Tashar. 
And I focused on four. The first one is Mirror Retriever, which is a two-mana mirror. It's a 1-1, one, one, and that says whenever it dies, return another target artifact card from your graveyard to your hand. So basically what we're going to do is we're going to have something that costs zero in our graveyard. We'll sacrifice the Mirror Retriever, get the zero cost back to our hand, play it out. Now, if we have one of the artifacts that we can sacrifice to make mana, it doesn't have to be a zero cost artifact. It can be up to a two cost artifact. Or if we have that out and a zero cost artifact, we can actually turn that into infinite colorless mana. Our next one is Workshop Assistant, which is a three mana construct. It's a one, two. And when it dies, return another artifact card from your graveyard to your hand. The third one is Junk Diver, which is a three mana artifact creature bird. It is a one, one with flying. And when it dies, return another artifact card from your graveyard to your hand. Are you seeing a trend? The last one is Scrap Trawler. Scrap Trawler is a three mana 3-2 construct. But when Scrap Trawler or another artifact you control is put into the graveyard from the battlefield, return to your hand to target artifact card in your graveyard with lesser converted mana cost. Those are the powerhouses, the linchpins of the combo. It's all about getting them out with Tayshar and start sacrificing and bringing stuff back and recasting and bringing them back. That's how we make the loops. Now, we have a few main uh, combos. Uh, one of the first ones is Psychosis Crawler which is a 5-mana horror. It's a star-star. Its power and toughness are each equal to the number of cards in your hand, and whenever you draw a card, each opponent loses one life. We can get into a loop where uh, we have something that allows us to draw a card when it enters the play or when it leaves play. We can essentially draw our whole deck and dome everybody for all the damage. Next, we have Altar of the Brood which is a one-mana artifact that says whenever another permanent enters the battlefield under your control, each opponent puts the top card of his or her library into his or her graveyard. We can turn that into infinite mill. Then we have Aetherflux Reservoir, which is a four-mana artifact that says whenever you cast a spell, you gain one life for each spell you've cast this turn, and you can pay 50 life. Aetherflux Reservoir deals 50 damage to target creature or player. Again, this exponentially grows, so every time we bring back and cast a zero-cost artifact, we gain one life, then two life, then three life, then four life. We do that a million times, and then we just pay 150 life to dome everybody else. Uh, we have uh, included... Approach of the Second Sun as well, which is six and a white for a sorcery that says if Approach of the Second Sun was cast from your hand and you've cast another spell named Approach of the Second Sun this game, you win the game. Otherwise, you put Approach of the Second Sun into its owner's library, seventh from the top, and you gain seven life. So 
we cast it, it goes back into our library. When we draw it and cast it again, we win. And a lot of times the way I set it up is I cast it, I draw a bunch of cards, and then I cast it again. Uh, and the last... The last of these combos centers around uh, two two cards. The first one can make us infinite creatures, and that's a Genesis Chamber. And it's two mana for an artifact that says whenever a non-token creature enters the battlefield, if Genesis Chamber is untapped, that creature's controller creates a 1-1 colorless mirror artifact creature token. And this is where I'm going to talk about something else that uh, can be very helpful, and that's giving our stuff flash. Which we have two ways of doing that. We have Vidalcan Orrery, which is a four-mana artifact that says you may cast non-land cards as though they had flash. And we're also running Shimmer Mirror, which is a three-mana 2-2 mirror with flash that says you may cast artifact spells as though they had flash. So as long as you have that ability... And Genesis Chamber, you can flash it out. Then you start doing your loop where you're constantly reanimating a creature, which makes a creature. You do that a bajillion times, then you move to your turn and you swing them all at your opponents. And that actually also kind of goes hand in hand with the other card. Though this one's technically a Voltron route. It's Cathar's Crusade. It's three white-white for an enchantment that says whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, you put a plus-one, plus-one counter on each creature you control. If you have Tayshar out, and you're just reanimating the same creature over and over again, Tayshar is going to get huge, and then you can just one-shot an opponent. Um, I mean, there's lots of things in the deck that help the deck, like... Foundry Inspector is a 3-mana artifact creature that's a 3-2, but it says your artifact spells cost 1 less to cast. That means all of your 1-drop artifacts now function like your 0-drop artifacts. Uh, then there's also... We're in Mono White, and with artifacts, I am again running Heliod Sunground, which is 2 and a white for a god. It's a 5-5 five five with Indestructible... As long as your devotion to white is less than five, Heliod isn't a creature, but whenever you gain life, you put a plus one plus one counter on target creature or enchantment you control, and for one and a white, another target creature gains life link until end of turn. And we pair that with Walking Ballista, which is an XX construct for zero that enters the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters on it. You can pay four to put a plus one plus one counter on Walking Ballista, which we can also just do by making infinite mana, but I digress. But we can remove a plus one plus one counter from Walking Ballista, and it deals one damage to target creature or player. If we give it lifelink with Heliod, we remove a counter, it deals a damage, we put a counter on. Is this a deck I'm going to pull out against lower power decks? No. No, no it's not. But is it going to be fun in some of those higher power games that I get into? Yes. Yes, I do believe it will. And uh, that's going to be it. I uh, hope you enjoyed this little walk through. And um, 
If you're listening on YouTube and you enjoyed it, uh, consider subscribing, uh, hit the like button, hit the bell for notifications. And I guess I'll see you next time. That brings us to the end of the podcast. I would like to thank Nate and Erica Jacobs for designing my logo and Cody Mulpey and Ian Foss for allowing me to use a sample of music from their band, The Crypt. The podcast can be found on YouTube by searching Commander's Forge. The podcast is Commander's Forge, that is C-M-D-R underscore Forge, on Twitter. I can be found on Twitter at Bentsmister, that is B-E-N-T-Z-M-R. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next time. And until then, here's to fun games and sick plays.